All right, so what I want to do right now is I want to just invite you to, to dive deep, and I love that verse from that song. I didn't hear it the first time, that the whole world may end, but we will remain, and that's so true. Lines up so beautifully with what I want to talk about today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound my Tibetan bells, and I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes, 30 seconds of silence, and then I'll move into a prayer that you will guide, because I don't know what I'm going to say right now, but I'll be guided in it by the collective consciousness. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So let's know this together, and I invite you to allow my words to be your words, and land. let them land within you in a way that is transformative because they are not my words. They are the words of the infinite expressing in and through and as myself. And so what I know in this moment is I make spaciousness and room for that activity that I'm reminded that there's one life, one activity, one opportunity, one life. That life is perfect and that life is spirit's life. That life is the, the Om Shanti. It is the divine. It goes by so many names and so many traditions. But the truth of it is, is beyond definition to describe the indescribable. And so that life is our life. We are not our minds, we are not our bodies. We are not our beliefs. They simply shape our lives. But we are the the purity and the truth and the essence of spirit. Here to choose wisely and wonderfully. And so this journey is an opportunity, it is a joy, it is a possibility and it leads us to the awareness that in this physical form I can express that I love my life in each moment, despite what's happening around me, because I understand and know who I am and what I am. And so upon that declaration, I love my life, everything that lines up with that in this moment, in thought, word, deed, feeling, feeling tone, state of being, lands where I am, for I am a container of unconditional love here and now, giving and receiving at the highest level possible. And so with that saying and that knowing and that opportunity and that welcome and that invitation, I know that we are ready to experience that which we are here to be about, to be reminded of the truth of our being through thought, word, and the energetic. For this I give thanks, and I invite you to say with me, and so it is. All right. So to continue to build some of the energy that we're experiencing today, I want to share a song with you. It's a song that we discovered when we were with Joe Dispenza down in Mexico City about two weeks ago, and it's called I Love My Life. It's by Robbie Williams, and so I'm going to invite you to stand up, and we're going to move to it for about three minutes. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. At some point in time during the song, I have to unbutton my hockey night in Canada suit, you're going to move to the left three steps and move to the right three steps, put your hands over your head, 
and hold them up there for at least six seconds, all that builds resiliency and, 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 and strength within the physical form. So here we go. Bill, I love my life. I love my life. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am free. I love my life. I am wonderful. I am magical. I am me. I love my life. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am free. I love my life. I am wonderful. I am beautiful. I am me. Telling a soul to me. There's a prize for the best dancer, by the way. One day our hands will be strong enough to hold me. I might not be there for all your battles, but you'll win them eventually. I pray that I'm giving you all that matters. So one day you say to me, I love my life. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am me, I love my life I am wonderful, I am miraculous I am me, I love my life So, if you're looking for a song to play and dance to before you go out the door every day, there you go. But it's, as, as Dr. Joe says, 
Don't get up from your meditation chair, from your prayer chair, from where you're sitting and doing sacred practice without owning I love my life. It changes everything. It changes every cell in our body. Why not? How many times do we sit there and feel crappy and get up and go, oh, God, another day. Oh, here we go. Who decides that? We let the world of conditions determine that. Stop it. Change, change, change. And so every session when we were in Mexico City, Joe would play that, and everybody was dancing. I was like, you know, some of you back there just sitting there tapping your hand. It's like, oh. But I get to come back and dance with you. One of the things he does that I'm intrigued by is they measure the calibration in the room. The heart math people do it. And I'm figuring out a way we can do that here. How do we come in, in the, on a Sunday and we measure the, the consciousness and the calibration in the room and then, and then work collectively to shift it right here and measure it? Isn't that a fascinating idea? The crystal bed. The crystal bed is such a powerful, amazing, mystical tool. Someone told me, take that stupid sign down. You're scaring people away. So I took the stupid sign down that said crystal bed room out there. And somebody put another crystal bed sign back up. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> so much for the, the chain of command here. Because people think it's weird. And I tell you, it's just energy. It shifts energy. See, when we calibrate, when we start to calibrate, that's what spiritual practice does. And that's what the crystal bed helps you do. It helps you free energy. And you start to calibrate at a higher level. So when we calibrate at a higher level, we lift ourselves up into the divine. It's that simple. That's a mystical experience. I believe it. And whatever it is, it's a hockey game or it's someone that, that has been healed, whatever it may be, whatever shifts. But it's, we're all energy. We're electrical energy. So why not love your life despite what's going on? Because today is a new day and I make new choices. So we are a philosophy, a teaching, and a way of life declaring oneness and wholeness is the truth of our deepest nature. And this is not new. But it's very much about narrowing the focus of spirituality, taking some of the mystery out. So when we do a thing like crystal bed, it's like, oh, that's kind of woo-woo, isn't it? No, no, it's scientific. It measures the calibration. It changes and shifts. So I want to share with you some ideas. I have a beautiful picture up there of a little girl. I'm so inspired by little girls now because I have a granddaughter. And so she loves her life, and I love her for loving her life. And she's an inspiration and brings both Laura and I into the present moment each time we're around her. She came over yesterday, and she took a nap. It was like, oh, that was so cool. Get to watch her sleep, and she fell asleep. I mean, who? Go figure. So, there's three ideas that I want to share with you today. They're perennial truths. And these are three, and they're not unique to us, but they are three things that are consistent, and I think important to realize about the foundational pieces of what we represent. Number one is evolution is never ending. We are always evolving, we're always growing, we're always on a journey. So, when we make peace with that, I think we're better off, better prepared to take the journey. Number two, we must ask great questions because the infinite will answer specifically what we ask. It really will. And number three, ideal growing conditions. Now, today would not be an example of that if we're going to plant. But what are the ideal growing conditions? And so what's important here is evolution is never ending. And what I would suggest to you and support you in is not so much important as to what you hear here today. I have a lot of things I put together that I was guided, and I'm always so blessed by the, the sort of download that shows up for me, and I'm so grateful. It's my honor to be part of that. For me, it's a mystical practice. And, I, I, I'm, and, and, and so it's, it's, and it's ongoing. It's ever-evolving. But what's more important is not so much what you hear here today, but what you say to yourself as a result. And what you say to yourself, and what's important to you. So I'm not here to tell you how to, how to think I'm just here to perhaps shift a perception that may, blo may block an idea that's wanting to land with you. 
And so I know that sometimes, and when we move the energy, when we open ourselves, we lift ourselves through movement, through song, through prayer, we're better able because all of a sudden we start nipping at the spirit. And so that's what this is about today. So we are here to grow and, and evolve. Dr. Holmes said there's no, nothing to heal, there's only something to reveal. So it's just simply a matter of opening up wherever we may be restricted or blocking something or not aware. Making the unconscious conscious is the journey, the spiritual journey. So Dr. Holmes' quote, I think, is so, so beautifully uh, appropriate. He wrote, there is something within us all which consistently pushes us forward, which demands continued progress. There's something within all of us that is seeking greater life expression. And it is because we are made in the image and likeness of the infinite self. And so the, 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 the soul of the infinite, we're one cell in that soul of the collective soul. So each one, there's the soul, Kelly, Phil David. We're all an individual soul in that. And so this is how the infinite finds fulfillment through, by means of us. And it doesn't even know because we're free to choose anytime we want. We can go off the rails. We can go, oh, I suck. Life's horrible, terrible. And what the infinite says is, you got it, I love you. Whatever you decide. So you may ask yourself, because we are in a constant opportunity for continued growth and evolution, you may say to yourself, well, haven't I grown enough? When do I get a break? Really? More growth? Hey, wait, 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 slow down here. Or you start thinking, well, you know, eventually I'm going to reach enlightenment. Once I reach enlightenment, then I'm, all this stuff is done. There's a great book when I met my wife, Laura, we, she was reading. I, I love to ask people when I have time and in the right situation, what book are you reading? And she, she was reading a book by Jack Cornfield called After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. And it was a story about all the people that had a mystical breakthrough, a mystical experience, but you still got to go back to your life. You still have, you, if you're raising children, I mean, what a curriculum that is, huh? Whew, go back and spend time with your family of origin, huh? Ah. I mean, there's the opportunity just to practice deeper love for self and one another. But what spiritual wisdom and maturity tell us is that I am going to be involving, and this is true for me, perhaps for you, but I accept this, I am going to be evolving continually until the last moment. But see, there is no last moment. It's just ongoing. It's to learn more and to know more. And also, how do we live in that? How do we manage that without being obsessive about it and then making one more thing we gotta do? Sometimes you grow weary of the basics. You know, the basics. In, the, in our teaching, it's the science of mind. And every time I brought my textbook out today, I was gonna read from it, but I ran out of time. But there's, this thing is just beautiful. It's our Bible. Dr. Ernest Holmes put it together and the stories about him writing it with his, his secretary in the other office going back and forth and how to phrase things. And it's, but, but there's beautiful wisdom in there. And every time I open it, 20 years later, over 20 years, I'm always amazed by how fresh it is for me and new because I'm different. I'm hearing it and seeing it with new eyes and hearing it with new ears. A renewed sense of possibility comes alive when I read this. Each time I go to it, a new sense of possibility and opportunity and insight. So the second idea that I want to talk to you today about is asking great questions. The questions that are all at the heart of this, I think, are how can I see the divinity in, in this? How can I see the divine here? Can I see the divine in what's in front of me? And can I claim it as a gift? And in the claiming of it, I am then able to move forward with my life. So whatever shows up, it's like, wow, my consciousness brought this to me. 
The truth is, every opportunity is born out of your and my consciousness. Every opportunity. There's no curriculum. There's no preset curriculum. Our souls are eternal. I truly believe that my soul has incarnated thousands of times previous to this. Because there's stuff that I've shown up with, and I watch things on television and certain things where kids show up and they're, they're incredibly gifted. They play the piano, they're speaking languages. It's like, where does this come from? It doesn't just drop into their consciousness or their awareness. There's something going on here. Holmes said he didn't, he didn't teach. He didn't say he didn't believe in reincarnation. He said, I don't teach it. Because he didn't want to dwell on that. He realized present moment was, was where the moment where you make the choices. But my theory is I think there's something more than just one incarnation. I think it's a continuum. And so we show up with this. So if there's challenges we're having, perhaps it's not just in this incarnation with this family of domestication. Perhaps it is deeper than that. But, but what I can do in the moment where I deal with it, where I make the changes, is present moment. And that's why I believe Dr. Holmes emphasized that so much. Take back your responsibility. Take back your dominion. Take back your power here and now. Doesn't matter what happened. Good to know, but it's just information at this point. So if you need the information, great. If you don't, move on. So the question is, can I find my divine nature in all of this? Andrew Harvey wrote, the very thing we wish to avoid, neglect, and flee from turns out to be the primal material in which all real growth occurs. So the thing that scares us the most, the things that challenge us the most and repeat in our lives are the things that, that evolve us if we embrace it and dive into it. And it takes courage to do that because, man, sometimes it's scary. Sometimes we're th completely thrown off the rails. Those places of struggle where the greatest growth occurs is the material. And the challenge for me, and probably for you, is to stay present with it. Because many times it's so uncomfortable, I want to escape it. Huh? Do you know what so-and-so did or said? Or I said or did? I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. So I want to share with you this beautiful video. It's three minutes. It's a wonderful video, a wonderful story of healing and transformation. It all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer accused him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim, but not many arresting officers agree. So you phonied the report? I did, I, I falsified the report. This is former Benton Harbor police officer Andrew Collins. Were you just trying to chalk up an arrest? Well, basically, the start of that day, I was going to make sure I had another drug arrest. And in the end, you put an innocent guy in jail? Correct. Yeah. You lost everything. I lost everything. My only goal was to seek him when I got home and to hurt him. Really? That was my goal. Eventually, that crooked cop was caught, served a year and a half for falsifying many police reports, planting drugs and stealing. Of course, Jamal was exonerated, but he still spent four years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Today, both men are back here in Benton Harbor, which is a small town, maybe a little too small. Hey guys, thank you. Last year, by sheer coincidence, they both ended up at Mosaic, a faith-based employment agency where they now work side by side in the same cafe. Oh, excuse me. And it was in these cramped quarters that the bad cop and the wrongfully accused had no choice but to have it out. And I said, honestly, I have no explanation. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And Jamel says that was all it took. 
that was pretty much what I needed to hear. Today, they're not only cordial. Saturday, we went to the trampoline park. They're friends. Uh, you know, we talk about life. Such close friends. Not long ago, Jamel actually told Andrew he loved him. And I just started weeping because he doesn't owe me that. Uh, he, I don't deserve that, you know? Did you forgive for his sake or for yours? No, for our sake. Not just us, for our sake. Jamel went on to tell me about his Christian faith and his hope for a kinder <laughs> mankind. He wants to be an example. So now he and Andrew give speeches together about the importance of forgiveness and redemption. Grab this one, set it over there. And clearly, if these two guys from the coffee shop can set aside their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? Steve Hart. Yeah, beautiful. Can you imagine losing four years of your life? Somebody lied about you? Losing four years and then running into him, you're working with the same person, and all it took was him to say, I'm sorry. I mean, that's a, that's a sacred moment. That's beautiful. As he said, as the announcer said, if he can do it, why can't we? And especially for ourselves. But when we embrace life and we take it on, Deepak Chopra says each one of us is a cell. They all, many, many people have said the same thing. I just happened to come across Deepak this week. But Deepak says we're all a cell in that soul of the infinite, and I've said that earlier today. But what kind of cell are you? Because this guy could have stayed angry. He said, you know, when I get out of here, I'm going to go find that guy, and I'm going to hurt him. And that's, that's part of the human condition. That's part of the, I mean, you can, we can understand it. If he'd gotten out and hurt him, we probably would have said, oh, that's too bad. But you sure understand the motivation. And he didn't. He decided not to be a cell of anger or a cell of cancer. He decided to be a cell of love and forgiveness. And we have that opportunity every moment. And it's not to impress anybody. It's to bless ourselves. So that, as I said earlier, our calibration, our energetic is nipping, is touching the divine. You know, talk about Joe Dispenza. Joe teaches the science of mind. He just teaches all the science. And he just nips on, I mean, he was quoting Ernest Holmes left, right, and center. I'm like, wait a minute here. I mean, this is the science of mind, man. And it's great. I mean, it's great. He's doing it in his own way. But what he talked about at times in his, in his sessions, he said, I'm done keynote speaking. I'm done doing all these things that are fast and slick for a few hours. He said, I want to get in a room with people for a week and do this work because this is where it happens. And people's lives are transformed because energetically transformation takes place. And I think this guy's doing it. We're doing the same thing. How do we do this better here? Joe doesn't have the market cornered on this. He must have said 15 times, we're not punished for our sins, but by our sins. I'm like, hey, Joe, I got my textbook right here. It's right from here. He doesn't need that. But the point being, and one of the things he said, and the point I'm trying to make, is that he said that sometimes in the room, the, the energy gets so high, the congruency, the calibration, that people have mystical experiences. They can feel the unseen forces touching them. They can feel the presence of spirit actually physically interacting with them. And I'll tell you that I've had that experience, the John of God experience, one of the reasons we bought the crystal bed back. Because it opens a portal. It's so hard to measure. And I, and, I, and I knew in my heart of hearts I had to do this. 
even though it's uncomfortable. When the, when the folks were in Abidjanya encouraging us to buy this bed, I'm like, oh, let's not do this. I mean, I'm going to be the guy that's going to have to go back and explain this to everybody, and they're going to think I'm crazier than I already am. But we did it. But the point is, is that there is a divine realm. And when we lift our vibrational frequency up, we enter it, we touch it, we interact with it. It's available to all of us. And it's a beautiful thing. It's nothing to fear. It's who we are. Our divine nature gets lifted up and we get lifted into that spaciousness. Beauty, a great affirmative prayer working with a practitioner that's clear and powerful. Same thing. I wouldn't be with you if it hadn't been for my teacher, my practitioner, hour after hour spent with her, throwing off the error beliefs and doing affirmative prayer and affirming something new because I was so desperate and so open. I had nowhere else to run. I tried it all. The third idea, ideal growing conditions. What are the ideal growing conditions? Well, sometimes it's through joy, sometimes it's through celebration, like Brooklyn's up there today and she's singing and, you know, and just to watch her blossom and share her gift, I mean, it's such a joy. We get to duplicate it, it's like, oh, so sweet, it's wonderful. At least I'm at a point in my life where I can you know, do that. And I'm out of those early warrior stages of competition and comparison. So I can celebrate beauty and joy and creativity when it's in front of me. But in our teaching, the challenge is also where most, the most impactful transformation takes place is in the challenges. And in our teaching, I think it's a misnomer or it can be misunderstood that, you know, I'm, oh, I'm in the science of mind and, and everything's great. And we put on this face like, I got it all together, man. I go to the Center for Spiritual Awareness. And it's fantastic. I took a class. I know what I'm doing now. And then the, the, the same error belief comes back into our lives and we're like, this doesn't work. This sucks. I'm out of here. And I'll tell you what it is. It's not that it doesn't work. It's that you don't work. Well, I'm going to tell you, I watched Joe Dispenza say the same thing. The people that stay with the practices, the back to the basics, the meditation, inviting the, 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 the power and the potency into their lives, their lives are being transformed in amazing ways. That's what brings me to life. That's what I'm just like, wow, there we are. What can we borrow from Joe to bring back here? And how can we be inspired? I mean, this is the mo- such a wonderful gift. Do you realize we have the opportunity to create whatever kind of life we want, we long for? And part of it is having a deep enough relationship with the infinite to realize I'm being guided. I'm not alone in this. What am I being called to be part of? What wants to happen through me? This idea within the science of mind that if something bad happens in my life, there's something wrong with my consciousness or I'm defective. Not true. The bad stuff is where we get challenged and we grow and we deepen. Could it be, i got a slide to ask you this. This is for me. Could it be those of us that struggle more than others, could it be that our souls are here to do deeper work? Do you ever think about that? You think maybe you signed up for this because you know at some level your soul's ready to take this on, this challenge, to step up. And you have the opportunity at any moment to say, yeah, I'm stepping into this or I'm not. And the infinite, in his infinite wisdom, says, I love you. Whatever you decide, I will support you in. That's the way it works. It's not predetermined. There's no curriculum that we have to follow. There's no script. The only script is you've taken life, and you get a chance to choose. And you'll pick the, you, I think by right of consciousness, we're born into the right family group. Now, and with that, you can either fulfill what that family group's consciousness is, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to grow beyond this. 
I don't think that's the way I want to live my life. And we have that choice. Now, in that, you'll, you'll have disagreement. You'll disappoint people. But that's life. See, many times to be true to ourselves, as Orion Mountain Dreamer says in The Invitation, to be true to ourselves, are we willing to betray another? Because if we give ourselves up to please somebody else, we lose our soul. There's times, there are decisions and times that we cannot compromise that. And if we do, I don't know, what does that set up for us karmically, energetically? I don't know, a hundred more lives? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how that works. And it would, that maybe wouldn't be a bad thing. Go around a hundred more times. But I do know that we're on this journey of life of consciousness. So the teaching, our teaching doesn't get a, give us a get-out-of-jail card for free, like a Monopoly game. It's not that. It's not spiritual bypass. It's not that we see everything through rose-colored glasses. I know that doesn't work this way. But what it does is to understand that there's not some old idea of God that's up on a fluffy cloud and he's, he's arbitrarily uh, punishing us or not. I'm going to zap David this afternoon, by the way. God called me earlier and said, it doesn't work that way. This infinite is a principle. It is a, an energy. It didn't come to punish us. It came for us. So what's coming into our lives didn't come to, to harm us or punish us. It came for us. And not saying to ourselves, I want this over. This is so painful, I just want it over. I just want it over. And that's our resistance. That's our, our spiritual bypass. I just want to be out of it. But to ask the question, to ask the question, what wants to be healed? What wants to be healed here? That's a much more interesting question to ask and much more powerful. What wants to be healed? I have a prayer that I'll put up here for you, a question or a declaration that I, I use so sometimes you call God Big Sweetie because God is a Big Sweetie. That's gender neutral. It could be a guy or a girl. It's actually come from Reverend Helen Street, amazing minister. She was in Hawaii and she was just on fire and she made her transition very early. She died, passed away and her, her, left her physical form in her 40s. But she said, Big Sweetie, if this is here for me, I know you will partner with me and equip me with everything I require to fulfill my part in this new adventure. We're not alone. When you turn to prayer, big sweetie, I know I'm not alone, man. This is overwhelming. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to, who to turn to. I don't know what, but I know that the next step will be revealed to me. I mean, that is spiritual maturity. Helen Street used to always say, big sweetie, peel me another grape. She viewed the infinite as, as her personal servant in many ways, to, to partner with this, this love. But it's not what happens to us, it's how we are with it. Make sense? It's not what happens to us, it's how we are with it. Like this, this, this Jamal, four years, lost everything. Lost everything. Went to prison for four years. I mean, hmm. Came out, he says, you know, I'm just looking for an apology. I'm good with that, I'm gonna move on with my life. Wow. I mean, that guy's a saint, my opinion. And that cop, I'm going to tell you what, you think, you can run, Joe Lewis said it, you can run, but you cannot hide. What I know is we live in a universe that demands balance. So when you want to talk about karma, you know, every action requires an equal, an opposite reaction to it, to balance. He goes way out on the end there and he does all those things. He's writing falsifying reports, he wants to get his arrest quota up. You know, all of this, he's stealing that's not in alignment with who and what we are. You get pulled back. 
there will be reciprocity. There will be a balancing act that comes upon him. And I think he was blessed that he got a chance to, to have the continuum of it because if he'd escaped it, he would have carried it with him and found another way to bring it back into balance. So, practices, how to embrace growth in every opportunity, how to see God in every opportunity, and how to embrace the good and bad in everything in between. Number one, wake up. Continue to wake up. We wake up through prayer, through meditation. Affirmative prayer is so powerful. To have things in our lives, to read things that expose us, lift us up. Have something on your, your, your end table that when you get trapped in the, the old habitual ways of thinking and those memorized addictive patterns, those emotional addictive patterns, to pull yourself out of it. Remember where your, number two, remember where your true power lies and go there, go within. And seek the deep inner guidance. Be obedient, be, be patient, be observant. And listen carefully. Third idea, get help. In, invite mentors into your life. Invite people into your life that can support you in moving you forward. I talk about my teacher all the time and her prayer work she did with me. We have practitioners here that have devoted their lives to mastering the art of affirmative prayer because over time, it just simply becomes something that expresses through you. And so what they are trained in, and Dr. Holmes trained in practitioners before he trained ministers. That's how important he knew it was. All ministers are practitioners first. But people that are trained in the art and the science of affirmative prayer to help support us, to get us out of the places that where we can be trapped. I call them prayer partners extraordinaire. They are trained to assist us in our continued evolution. They help us see our way when we cannot see it for ourselves. We borrow someone else's consciousness. This isn't true about you. We may be lost and, and struggling and in pain and suffering. This isn't your truth of your being. It's an experience you're having right now, and I'm sorry that's happening. But it's not, I'm not going to agree with you on that. You feel you're broken. I'm not going to identify you as broken because you're not. The infinite presence and power within you is spectacular. It is powerful. It is wonderful. As the Robbie Williams song says, love your life. Find something to love. Because when we're in the negative experiences, the reality is we get scared. We get tunnel vision. We get desperate, and then we hide because we don't want other people to know that we're not doing well. You know, hey, I'm into this, man, this, this is working for me, and then all of a sudden it's not working for me, and it's like, oh, I don't want to go back to the center. It's not working for me anymore. There's something broken in my consciousness. No, it's not. It's exactly how it works. You're making the unconscious conscious. And the, and, and the small self of you is fighting like crazy to hang on to the status quo of error belief because that's what feels comfortable. It's not the truth of our being. We just fall into the familiar all the time, so you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. That's why a practitioner can be so powerful in your life because they can help move you through that uncomfortable stage. Say, stay with it. Stay the course. Next week, I'm going to use a wonderful story of uh, the, the band Journey and their, their story, incredible story of belief and commitment and not giving up at many levels, many, many levels. But people found mentors and partners that could hold them up. Because what I know about having a practitioner is that I need somebody standing with me in consciousness and knowing for me at times what I'm not able to know for myself. So why hesitate to do that? Why would you not do that? People that are sworn to confidentiality that can walk with you in consciousness, one of the greatest gifts in my life. I wouldn't be here with you hadn't been for a, a gifted and spectacular practitioner. Amazing practitioner. To sit down and just simply know the truth. 
It's a confidential relationship. I know that someone has a bigger possibility alive in their consciousness for me, a trained spiritual consciousness, a person who is willing to stand with me and always see my divine perfection. Because I'll tell you what, wherever you are right now, it's pretty much a guarantee that someone has gone before you. You're not unique in this. You're not the first one that has faced this challenge. So why not borrow someone's consciousness that has walked this path? Allowing yourself, are you allowing yourself to be supported? Number four, be gentle with yourself. Be kind with yourself. We gather in community to get support and to, to let our humanity and our challenges and our obstacles and our opportunities bubble up. But to use this teaching with a perspective, it's not because we are broken or there's something wrong with us. It has come for the evolution of our soul. There's a wonderful poem by uh, Donna Markova that I'm going to share with you to close today. It's called, I Will Not Die an Unlived Life. Markova is spelled M-A-R-K-O-V-A, and the title of the poem is, I Will Not Die an Unlived Life. I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, more accessible, to loosen my heart until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to me as a seed goes to the next as blossom, and that which came to me as a blossom goes on as fruit. A beautiful because I'm not here to live an unlived life. And what my practitioner and my mentors and my study and my journey has, has allowed me to take those seeds and have something blossom. And then take that blossom and watch the fruit. I remember going to a Silomar years ago, 25, 30 years ago. That was our annual conference and, and, um, at the Asilomar campgrounds in California. Beautiful area. It's an old YMCA camp right on the beach just south of Monterey. I remember sitting in the hall, 800 people packed into a hall, and I listened to these amazing speakers, and I'd go, oh my God, this is incredible. This is incredible. And, and then so when the, the opportunity for ministry came along in my life a number of years later, I thought, I could never do that. I could never do that, what those people do. It's brilliant. Where do they get all these ideas? And you know what? Over time, that seed became the blossom, which became the fruit. But I got to tell you, 25 years ago, sitting there, I was intimidated I wasn't big enough. I couldn't even imagine the possibility. And then my teacher used to sit there with me, and I'd sit there for hours and tell her why I wouldn't be a good minister, and she'd just laugh at me. I'd say, yeah, but I'm such an awful human being, and I, I tell off-color jokes, and I use bad language, and I, I drink, and I smoke, and all these reasons not to do it. And she'd just laugh. She'd go, yeah, yeah, okay. And so much of that has <laughs> changed because I can't keep up with that activity anymore. But, but, but the point is, over time, we grow into it. And all of a sudden, those drivers and the ways we numb ourselves and all the things that we thought were so important fall away. That's what my experience with addiction has been. They just start, all of a sudden, you go, oh, I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. Isn't that interesting? This, the byproduct of, of consistent spiritual practice. So we are here. I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of, of falling or catching fire because that's not going to happen to us anyway. We are eternal. I choose to inhabit my days, to be present with my days, to allow my living to open me. Is your living opening me? Are you choosing the finest possibility right now? The idea to, to dwell upon that lifts you up and, and makes you lighter and more joyful because you can do that and I can do that. 
to make me less afraid, more accessible, to loosen my heart until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to, to, to me as seed goes to the next as blossom, and that which came to me as blossom goes on as fruit. We pass it on, we pass it on, we pass it on. The legacy we are. It's a beautiful thing. So thank you so much for loving your life because I love mine, and so it is.